0: i on. Hello and welcome to episode 128 of Section 138. Um, all I can say is, oh boy, we have a lot to talk about today. It was one heck of a series in Boston. Um, I'm Mark Colley, as always, joined by Bryson and, and Jacob. How are you guys?
1: Well, uh, it was definitely a roller coaster throughout the weekend in terms of what we saw. In terms of, because a meltdown late in the game, we saw a few times. We saw a home run derby for the Jays. So, and Mark, you were there in attendance for three out of the four. So. I mean, you obviously saw it all firsthand, but definitely an interesting weekend.
0: You definitely got all the highs, all the lows in that four-game set. And I feel like like the one game I didn't go to was Saturday's game, which I feel like was a good decision because no one really cares about that game in retrospect because you like a Friday's game, Monday's game. We're all going to remember that because of the, the big blown opportunities in the later innings. And Sunday's game, of course, we're going to remember that for years because 18 runs, eight home runs. But how are you, Jacob?
2: You know what? It's tough being a Blue Jays fan. Uh, I, I'm a little desensitized because I, I like the other Toronto teams, but uh, we got a lot to talk about. I'll put it that way. Like this was a it was a rough series, and I am very angry about those two losses.
0: Yeah, like I don't, I don't even know where to start with this series. There's just so much that went on in a four game span since we've last talked that it's hard to pinpoint the most important thing. But I guess like the easiest conversation to have, and I guess we can start with this, is Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Like, there, there's no hot takes about this. There's no arguing about this. It's kind of just a fact that Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is now the best hitter on the face of the planet right now. And Dan Shulman said this, but it really is true. He's leading baseball in wins above replacement, as measured by fan graphs, in home runs, RBI, total bases, on base percentage, slugging, OPS. And he's second in baseball, I believe, in batting average. So it's just ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous what this guy is doing. We saw it in yesterday's game with that home run to tie it with two outs in the ninth. We saw it all series as he homered in every single game of the series. It's just like words can't describe what he is doing right now. It's ridiculous that at this point in the season, he is still this good and pretty much the worst he has been is like an 0 for 9 spell that he had in that Kansas City series, I think, in April. That's pretty much the worst he's been this season. It's it's crazy. It's insane.
2: Yeah, oh, man. This guy, like, I know we said this earlier on in the year. We're like, oh, it's it's mid-May or whatever, and we'll see if this continues. But, like, it's continued, and his performance has been fantastic. And I I think it was yesterday that the league came out with their... Uh, like their update on the all-star game voting and Guerrero had like 800,000, which is the most out of anybody, which like 800,000, that's a lot. Like that's, that's a darn lot of people, but I'll just put it that way. But uh, in this series alone, like he went nine for 15 in the four games, as you said, four home runs in all four of the games, eight RBIs and three walks. And like, that's just, that's ridiculous. Like he, he got more hits than he got out. Like you never see a guy have 15 at-bats throughout four days and well 17 plate appearances including those two walks but you never or three walks actually but you never see a guy perform this well and it's 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 fantastic and it, it it shows that that Vladimir Guerrero Jr. has finally broken out and not necessarily broken out but he's proven that he's that this this performance is consistent over almost half a season now they've played over 60 games almost 80 games so about half of the season and he's And I would say he's the MVP right now. You got to wait till the end of the season for a reason. But I would put money on the fact that he would win the MVP. And he's just been fantastic all season long, all series long too. And it, it just, it makes me so much more frustrated knowing that the Blue Jays split the series rather than sweep. Like they had two outs in the final game of the series yesterday. Guerrero launches a ball over the green monster and they lose that game. Like, you cannot waste performances like that, and and especially other guys. You cannot waste an Alec Manoa performance like that, but it just, it it makes me so much more frustrated seeing that this fantastic player is just, he's not winning as much as he expected to. Now, the the Blue Jays are very early on in their competitive window, and I understand that, but to see a guy have this good of a season, just not... not have the team performance, I guess, to back him up. It just, it's so frustrating. And we saw it in the first game as he was throwing things in the dugout, and justifiably so. I was doing that to a lesser extent in my in my family room throwing water bottles, but like, I understand the frustration. Like when you're this good, first of all, it's fantastic, and like I'm just I'm mesmerized that I get to watch this guy every single day. But it's like, come on, the rest of your teammates, you got to start backing them up here. Like the, you can't, you can't have this good of a player. And if this was any other sport. Guerrero could carry. Now, the problem is, is obviously that baseball, it's a two-team game. You have your defense and you have your offense, and the opposing team has as good a chance to hit as you do. They have as many chances, and that's just... it. It, It's really showing. Now that you have such a high-performing player, it's really showing where the lows are in this team, and it's just... I, I'm i hoping Ross Atkins can make some moves, get Guerrero the teammates, or, or at least get, get him the arms that he needs, because some of his teammates are obviously coming to play, but yeah, there's just words can't even describe, even numbers can't even describe, like, you look at these numbers that that Guerrero's putting up, and it's like, you would think that, that he's playing MLB the show, and he just put everybody on easy mode, and I'm just, I'm consistently impressed, and it's, at this point, like, I mean, Teoscar Hernandez had a funny thing where he said he actually isn't impressed because he, he expects this out of Vladdy, but I, like I'm still impressed, and I'm just I'm in awe that I get to see this every single day as a fan of him.
1: Yeah, uh, MVP. I think uh, you nailed it perfectly there, and I think there's no even arguing that based off the numbers right now, he is the MVP. Uh, even throughout the National League as well, throughout the entire league, throughout the all of MLB All Star Game ballot voting, everything is showing in terms of that in the right direction for that. Mm-hmm. And uh, the only thing now we're missing is chance from Rogers Center. MVP every time he stepped up to the or steps up to the plate because we did see that with Donaldson back in 2015. I really hope Buffalo starts doing that because that's the one thing that we're starting to miss out on now. But uh, it's just crazy the season he's had. He hasn't shown any signs of slowing down, and everyone keeps predicting that he's going to cool off. But he gives you a re- he gives it the other way. He's p- uh, playing better in June than he did in April and May. And I know obviously we're halfway through June now, but Throughout the first 15 days of June, he, he's completely outperforming uh, what he did in April and May, and even uh, throughout right now, currently, he has a league-leading uh, OPS of over 1,100, and he's got he's leading the league in home runs now by, uh, eight, uh, th- what is it, five? He's got 22 home runs. The next guy up is Jesse Winker at 17 he's leading the league in our um, RBIs as well and average OBP and slugging obviously relates to the OPS so he's leading in all categories there and it's just impressive the amount of improvement he's shown throughout the season like on this track um he could easily be you know getting better in July getting better in August and it is funny cuz Teoscar Hernandez did say that he could do so much better as well <laughs> which is scary but based on what we're seeing i think He's not far off, and you know, through as I just mentioned, his OPS in June alone is at 1500. So when you take that, when you look at that compared to April and May, obviously April and May were stellar, but he's doing better in June, and it's just obviously going back to the results of the game yesterday in particular. It's just deflating because it it was a waste. It, It really was a waste. All that hype with two two outs in the bottom of the ninth for him to, or sorry, the top of the ninth for him to tie the game like that the way they did. And then the Blue Jays to immediately lose the game the following inning. It's just a waste of a performance. And as well well for Alec Manoa, just everything you could have thought of in terms of a waste happened yesterday. And that's the problem with this team right now. It feels like every game they lose is somewhat winnable in a way. And especially this weekend. I mean, going into the weekend, I was hoping for a split out at the worst case scenario. But when you come away with the split, and obviously they did, you look back on it now and you're like, eh. Like, you're, you're fine with it, but... You know, you know they could have won three out of four easily. They could have, especially with the opportunity that Guerrero presented the team yesterday by tying the game like that in the ninth inning. Completely swinging the momentum, and the momentum should have stayed with the Jays, but unfortunately, it did not. It only lasted, what, one batter before the bottom of the ninth happened, and we all know what happened for the rest of the way. It didn't take long for the Red Sox to retake the lead. So that's where I look at it from there. Um, you know, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. leading the way of this offense, we know that he does have some help. In terms of the offense, he has help. And there is more help on the way with George Springer set to begin a rehab assignment tonight with A Buffalo. We don't know exactly how long he'll be. I think the Jays will be monitoring it by a game-by-game basis, but he's going to start off playing five innings in center field. And when he does come back, uh, I guess the expectation is that he's center field ready, not him DHing every game. So that's going to be uh, very refreshing to see George Springer back in the lineup to add power to this offense. But... Even in the offseason, even heading into this season, we knew the weakness of this team. And compared to what we've seen in April and May, where the bullpen's kind of held their ground, it has been a completely three sixty from what we've seen from the end of May and throughout the first half of June. It's been a complete joke in terms of the amount of games or the amount of games that they have lost from the bullpen. I'm not saying every you know, some of it maybe is on Charlie Montoyo in terms of um, bullpen management, but not all of it is on um, Montoya. We've had this discussion in terms of the lack of tools he has, but in particular yesterday, I do blame him 100% for what happened, and I think we're going to get into that a little bit. And if you guys disagree with me or not, obviously we'll talk about it. But it's just so frustrating for Vladimir Guerrero to do this and the Jays to completely disappoint with the the, the next half inning. This thing didn't even go to extras in terms of what happened, but he's the league leading for the MVP going back to Guerrero. He's going to be at the All-Star game I'm just saying, I know a lot of people have their theories about how the home run derby like hurts your swing or whatnot. Maybe it's true, maybe it's not, maybe it's a myth. Him, uh, Tatis, Acuna, how cool would that be for a home run derby between all those three guys? Uh, it would be really cool if they can stack something up like that, but he's definitely becoming one of the faces of the MLB. I know Tatis is up there as well, and maybe a little bit more in terms of popularity, but in terms of numbers, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is blowing all these guys away right now, and it's impressive to see... Um, that it's finally coming to, I guess, um, you know, it's coming in a movement in terms of we're finally seeing him change um, the Jays' offense, and it, finally him outperforming, and finally him just capitalizing and backing up all the hype that he did have throughout the minor league. So each week we talk about him, or each episode we talk about him, it seems to be getting better and better. I don't know how much better it could get, but I think there is a chance it could get better. I mean, we've seen it all season long, so that's pretty much what I got to say about Vladimir Guerrero Jr., as well as, unfortunately, the team's performance overall. Yeah,
0: the the gall of opposing pitchers to decide with the bases empty and two outs to say, I'm going to pitch to Vladimir Guerrero Jr. I'm even going to throw him a strike instead of just nibbling at the edges or intentionally walking him and facing Teoscar Hernandez instead. It's just like, why on earth would you decide that? This guy is putting up one of the greatest, maybe this is a hot take, but one of the greatest offensive seasons ever so far, to this point in the season. Of course, yes, we still got 100 games left. Things are going to shake out differently. Who knows how it goes in the next 100 games. But so far, he's putting up one of the greatest offensive seasons, I think, in baseball history. So, you know, he's on pace for a Triple Crown in the American League. Um, Another stat that I want to mention is that he's the youngest player in MLB history to ever homer in every game of a four-game series. The last stat I want to mention is that Of the hitters who have hit, um, who have collected a WRC plus of 206 or better in a season, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. so far is at that pace. Other guys on that list, Babe Ruth, Barry Bonds, Ted Williams, Rogers Hornsby, Mickey Mantle, Lou Gehrig, and Ty Cobb. That's the list. So for flat players, I would say, yeah, they're okay. That's a pretty good list to be on. So (laughs) it's just it's ridiculous what he's doing right now. It's it words can't describe it. But you mentioned Bryson. To some extent, they're wasting this with the bullpen they have, with the pitching they have. Not so much the starting, but the relievers, especially, and some of the decisions that have been made over the course of this four-game series, especially. Let's go back to Friday night's game. First, the Blue Jays are leading five to one. Um, I think it's five to two by the time Ross Stripling comes out of the game. Tyler Chatwood comes in with two outs, two guys on. He hits the first batter, walks the second batter with the bases loaded, throws a wild pitch to drive in a run, and then hits the next batter before leaving the game. Um, That makes it five four. I think it's um, Carl Edwards Jr. who comes in, gives up a home run that ties it, and then Blue Jays blow it in the ninth with Rafael Dolis on the mound. I think that game was the most frustrating loss of the season. I think pretty much everyone agrees with that because not only do you have the bullpen blowing the lead, not only do you have the lead being or losing the game in the ninth because of a defensive miscue from um, Bobichet with that misthrow, and then of course you have Lourdes Gurriel Jr. at first, which people were complaining about. But not only that, you have 16 hits in that game, and you only manage five runs. Another stat from that game, the Blue Jays had 25 or more hard hit balls, which is in the StatCast era, balls measured at 20, uh, 95 miles an hour off the bat or or faster. Um, and only four teams have done that in the StatCast era, Blue Jays being one of them. In every previous game, the team had scored 22 or more runs. The Blue Jays scored five. It's just ridiculous what they did that game. And that was a, the toughest game to watch this season. Because of that. Um, was it Charlie Montoyo's fault? I say not at all in that game. Monday is entirely different conversation, but Friday's game, you look at it, it's not Montoyo's fault. Ross Stripling, being there at the game and watching it on TV, I'm sure you can tell that Stripling was getting hit really hard by the Red Sox batters coming into that. I think it was the 6th or 7th inning. He was starting to get hit around more. It was time to take him out of the game. We've talked about the Blue Jays bullpen. They don't have many options to go to. And at that point, Tyler Chatwood is probably the only option you can go with. So I don't blame Charlie Montoyo for that loss. Again, it comes down to the Blue Jays bullpen needs to be improved. It's kind of criminal at this point that the Blue Jays haven't made a move. That Ross Atkins haven't hasn't added a reliever to this point. So if anything, that's who I blame for this. It's Ross Atkins.
2: See, I, I kind of approach this differently and I blame the entire team for that loss because there were, sadly, there were countless things that I, that I noticed watching Blue Jays in 30, which, you know, that was a, that was a sad one to watch the, the morning after. But the good thing is, is it showed all of the mistakes that I wanted to point out. So you mentioned Tyler Chatwood. He needed one out and he hit a batter, or he hit two batters. He walked one and there was a wild pitch. First of all, Chatwood was terrible in that game. But Reese McGuire too. the The wild pitch was just slightly above his shoulder. That was one that he should have caught, and that I mean I'm not going to say that it was all Reese McGuire's fault, but that was a big mistake. And one of the the saddest thing about Shiloh Chatwood's outing is none of those runs were charged to him. They were all charged to Ross Stripling because he I mean technically he let the 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 batters on the bases. And then when he left the game, those were uh, his responsibilities. So, I mean, that's just the way baseball works. But if I'm Ross Stripling, I'm saying you needed one out. How do you not get that one out? And, how, like, how do you just have zero command when all you literally need is three strikes or, or one good pitch or one relatively good pitch to get a guy out? But another problem, in the top of the ninth, the Blue Jays had the bases loaded, two outs. Rookie catcher Riley Adams, who I'm not too critical of just because he is a rookie, but... He foul. He, he hit a foul ball very close to first base. And Bobby Dalback of the Red Sox misplayed it. He dropped the ball, and the Blue Jays couldn't capitalize on that. And, and to me, when you're given a gift like that from the Red Sox, you got to capitalize. And we saw that in the White Sox series a couple of errors that they were able to, to capitalize on, score some runs, give them a win in those games. And how do you not do that in this game? That's just, it's so frustrating to see that. And then in the ninth inning, again, Bo Bichette made an error. I don't really blame Guriel for the miscue. It kind of came out of his glove. It wasn't really his fault. He had to dive pretty much to his left to catch that ball and still managed to get a tag on. Ball eventually came out of his glove. And obviously we all know what happened with Dolis. He got roughed up, and he was roughed up both of the losses that the Blue Jays took in the series. So it's just like that game, I don't really blame anybody except for the players, because you were you were gifted a win in so many different areas. Like you were up five to nothing at one point and I don't know how you don't come away with that win, like how you don't make those plays, how you don't take advantage of those offensive opportunities, how how you're not able to pitch out of jams. Like that is, it's so frustrating to see that. And considering that, like, if it was one game once in a blue moon where you blow a game, I could understand it. Like, obviously it sucks in the moment, but every team's going to have those bad losses. But when you're doing this consistently, and when you have 30 losses or 31 losses, I believe, they're 33 and 31 coming into today's game against the Yankees. I can count at least 15 to 20 of those if I go back that are because of the team just not performing the way that they should have been and not necessarily losing to the other team, but losing to themselves. And when you have that many games, yeah, I'm sorry, but I, you don't deserve to make the playoffs unless you you get your act together. And, it, like, Ross Atkins, if I... Like, the way... The reason or... Eventually, if I were to blame him, it would be if he doesn't make a move within the next couple of months. Because obviously, it's tough right now. Injuries are s- still plaguing the team, and, and I mean, the bullpen—it's getting—it's starting to get rest. Obviously, the starters have been fantastic over the last couple of weeks, but at this point, I feel like you know what you have with the current—the current relievers you have. Make a move, whether it's activating guys off the IL, whether it's coming, bringing guys up from the minors, whether it's trading. Do something because this like you cannot have a have that game against Boston repeat itself once more throughout the season, or else this is it's it was a joke, honestly. and I think I said in my post game recap the Toronto Blue Jays are the laughing stock of major League Baseball. Some people were mad. Some people are actually genuinely angry at me saying that I'm not a real fan, and that's completely the opposite because like when I can point out this many mistakes, that's that's just inexcusable you got to make those plays and that's why I don't really blame the front office I don't blame Montoya for that at all players just didn't show up and that's just it's that's why it's just so frustrating to have to watch that and have to digest that you had a game you could have taken three or four from the Red Sox you could have swept them but you just the players didn't come to play in some of those games and that's why it's it's so hard to to look back on that series because there were so many missed opportunities
1: yeah, uh, I I don't blame the team. I disagree with you on that. I don't think it's the offense's fault. I think it's on one person, and that's Tyler Chatwood, because that was probably one of the worst appearances in MLB history, Blue Jays history. I personally think if I came into the game and started lobbying it to somebody, I would take my chances that I can get a couple outs from that. And I think that's a better stat line than what Tyler Chatwood put up with. In terms of What happened late in the game with uh, the situations that you were mentioning, bases though they couldn't capitalize, it was 5-1 when Ross Stripling left the game. If you have anything better than what Tyler Chatwood did, you're not at that point. It's just one of those situations where it could have been completely avoided. And if that didn't happen, nobody would be talking about those errors or those opportunities the Jays missed. Yes, should they, or maybe they could have capitalized on it? For sure they could have. But that's not the, it's not their fault. And it's not the reason why they lost that game. I just, and especially from their perspective, after witnessing what happened in the sixth inning, you know, it's a momentum swing. It's, you know, pretty much morale. Like, it's a lot to handle in terms of, you know, the offense who, Obviously, are carrying the team right now, and when that happens, it's it's inexcusable. It is inexcusable, and for that reason alone, I don't blame uh, Montoyo for that one. We're gonna talk about obviously yesterday in a in a sec, but yes, uh, on that game on the Friday, that's not Charlie Montoyo's fault. I understand that he, I understand the reasoning for Tyler Chatwood. The only thing where I can maybe question it, and this is just me talking, and maybe you guys have a different opinion, is I would have tried, or attempted Ross Stripling to maybe get out of the inning. That's the only thing I wish I would have seen. And um, obviously they didn't do that. They went to Chatwood himself. But, I mean, from there it was just it was a complete downhill spiral in terms of what happened. So that's one of the games they let get away from them for sure. If you win that game, that's obviously three out of four. And, um, you know, that's that was another one, another winnable game the Jays had. And for that reason alone, I mean, I know there's been times this season where the offense has been cold. The team's running and score runners in scoring position haven't been the greatest. It's been inconsistent, but however, when the team wins, it's from the offense. That's that's the only thing that's winning them games right now. And in, I think Jeff Passan had a perfect tweet a couple days ago, pretty much shouting out the Blue Jays, saying they're they're a de- they're a dangerous team, devastating team. However, they're going to be even more dangerous when they get George Springer back. A and B is when they get a few pitchers because that's what they're missing and that's what's holding them back right now. That's what's keeping them. At 500, and in a tough AL East, I don't know if you guys looked, but it's it's getting worse and worse in terms of the gap that they're in. They're now eight and a half games back of first place from the Rays. I believe they checked the wild card standings yesterday. They were about three or four games back of that. The division itself, it's not. I know it's early still in terms of June. There's still 100 games to go, but that's not ideal. It, it really isn't. I mean, for a team that has to make the playoffs, wants to make the playoffs, they don't deserve it right now. They don't, and that's to be quite frank. I know the injuries are there, but a part of this is, well. I agree with Mark on this, is that it is partially on the front office's fault for not capitalizing this and not seeing this prior to spring training. But in terms of Montoyo and the rest of the team, even the the relievers that came afterward, I don't blame them at all. I don't. I just think the downward spiral that they experienced, it was almost like a... uh, just a wave where they couldn't escape it. It was pretty they were pretty much, they, it was doomed. It, it really was. And it was just so deflating to see that type of performance. I don't know if it's a case of the yips with Tyler Chatwood. I don't know what's going on. Um, It's just a complete downfall in terms of uh, just a 90 degree drop from what we've seen from him at the beginning of the year to now. Going from one of the best relievers on the Jays, pretty much with an ERA of 0.5, I think that's what it was at one point, and now he's, his ERA's up towards five. So I just, I don't know what's going on with that. I don't know. I'm surprised there hasn't been a phantom I Alston yet because I think that's going to happen before he's, you know, DFA'd as some people were calling for that to happen for. But I'm surprised he's still in the bullpen right now. And I don't know when Ross Atkins goes out and gets names. I, I know, I think we all know it's inevitable that it's going to be coming soon. But at this rate, how much longer can he be waiting right now? Because there's just... You you can you you don't even you can't even use your hands to count the amount of winnable games the Jays have let go this season. Not because of just Charlie Montoyo, just because of the bullpen itself. Even the games on the offense, like I just mentioned, uh, going back to what Jacob was saying in terms of that. But that that loss alone, I don't blame anybody except for what happened. And obviously, there's so many opportunities they had later on, but it was all avoidable. It really was. But just that appearance from Chad would really completely change the outcome of it. It really did. Yeah, and if we're talking about why
0: Tyler Chatwood has been the way he is, a lot of people speculating, sticky stuff, foreign substances, he's someone who, I think we talked about before, but he was named in that suit from that Angels clubby, that he is someone who has had it supplied to him, has used him, there's picture and video evidence that he is someone who has used it, maybe that's it, that he's you know, kind of trying to get ahead of the curve and not using it anymore, but... It's cost him over the last month. I don't know. And I am really surprised that he hasn't been placed on the IL. I really thought they would come up with something, find some reason, you know, he stubbed his toe yesterday. He has to go on the IL because <laughs> he has to figure something out. They can't keep rolling him out there. It's either place him on the IL or DFA him and they're not going to DFA him because that means they lose him. He has to pass through waivers and there's no way another team doesn't claim it. Right. He. He's horrible right now, but another team would be willing to take a chance on him. So the Blue Jays want to keep him. That's why he's not DFA'd yet. Place him on the IL with something. Make something up. Please get rid of him somehow. Figure it out. Um, I just don't understand it. And yeah, like I don't blame the front office for entering this season in the situation they are in. Right? Because you enter this season, you going back to the beginning of spring training, you have Kirby Yates, you have David Phelps, you have. Um, Ryan Barucki, you have Julian Merriweather. You have all these guys that make the bullpen so much deeper than it is right now. And, you know, every time you lose a guy, it obviously impacts you in the fact that you don't have that reliever. But it is a domino effect in that you have to use other guys who aren't as equipped for that situation in higher leverage situations. And I think that's what we're seeing right now. All those injuries have really added up in the fact that They've put more workload, more stress, higher leverage situations on the the relievers the Blue Jays have that just aren't equipped for that. So, they really need to make a move. I don't know what Ross Atkins is waiting for. It's it's inexcusable at this point. You're wasting the performance of a team that is so, so, so good and should be winning all these games. And I do blame him for it. it. It's... It's interesting that we do, all three of us have a different person we're blaming for the losses of the Blue Jays, or at least Friday's loss, um, but it something has to change. Like, they they can't survive like this for that long, and a lot of people are saying, oh, well, you should wait till the trade deadline to get a reliever. Like, if you try to trade now, you're going to be paying way too much for it. Maybe that'd be the case if you were getting a starter, if you were getting a position player, but there are so many relief pitchers, and we see the Blue Jays... They do miraculous things with guys who shouldn't be that good. Anthony Castro claimed off waivers. They've turned him into someone who's probably the second-best pitcher in the Blue Jays' bullpen right now. The Blue Jays have a knack at doing that. They should be able to get someone like that without giving up too much. There are so many relievers. There's got to be at least one or two teams who are willing to part with someone before the trade deadline for to, to a team that, like, the Blue Jays are desperate. They need something. They... I. There's no way they couldn't get a deal done. They got to do it. It's inexcusable that they haven't already. And I don't know. It's it's just heartbreaking and deflating and frustrating to watch. And I don't understand it. But um, let's talk about Monday's game. <laughs> in terms of deflating losses, um, this is something that, at least personally, I blame this more on Charlie Montoyo than Friday night's game. Um, in Friday, they didn't use Jordan Romano because he had forearm tightness or whatever the the injury was with him. You can't use the guy who's injured. Like, that's just the bottom line. You, you can't risk a guy's health. And, you know, I'd much rather lose one game and have Romano for the next two weeks instead of winning one game and putting, putting him on the injured list. That's just the fact of the matter. But the fact of the matter is, he was healthy Monday, as far as we know. And Charlie Montoyo didn't bring him in. He brought in Rafael Dolis in the ninth inning. He said Romano was available, but he only wanted to use Romano if they won. Um, To me, that's the same logic that the Orioles lost the 2016 wild card using uh, uh, Ubaldo Jimenez instead of Zach Britton. It's just, it's inexplainable. I don't understand it. Um, I blame him for that. I also blame the Blue Jays' offense. This is not a team that can win when you score one run. We've talked about this before. The Blue Jays aren't built to win in a one-run game. They're built to win in blowouts like we saw on Sunday. And if the offense isn't doing that, you got to blame the offense, minus Vladimir Guerrero Jr., who did everything he could to score that game. So that's who I blame for Monday's loss. Incredibly frustrating. Again, not as frustrating as Friday's game, but still just tough to watch, and something has to change.
2: See, I'm going to say this. I don't fully blame Montoyo for bringing in Rafael Delis instead of Jordan Romano. Now, in a perfect world, yes, you bring in your best relievers, and that I won't disagree with, and I won't argue that. But I understand the point of Montoya basically stated after the game that if the Blue Jays had taken a lead, he would have gone to Romano because then it's a safe situation and you try to close out the game. But it wasn't, and it was tied. And in that case I understand why you want to keep Romano anticipating that the game goes to extras. Now, I mean, you do have to play try play for the win in 9 innings and I understand that, but the way I see it is say say uh, I think there was actually there was a misplay in uh, in the bottom of the ninth to give the Red Sox the lead runner on. So there was that. Inning could have been completely different had that not have happened. But either way, say the Blue Jays get out of that inning and then they go to the top of the ninth with, I believe it was Randall Gritchick uh, slated to hit first in the in the top of the 10th. And then you have Teoscar Hernandez perhaps pinch hit Jonathan Davis at second base or pinch run Jonathan Davis at second base. Say you take the lead. I would rather have Jordan Romano waiting for a lead then use him in the ninth and then have to throw in Rafael Delis or perhaps Anthony Castro. Anthony, Well, Anthony Castro is not a bad option, but point is, is I would have probably rather to to keep Romano waiting for a lead than use him and then try to say either pitch a second inning or we're going to have somebody else pitch instead. Now, some people disagree with me on that, and that's totally fair. Um, I just, like, the, the way I see it is I would rather have your closer Pitch in a closing situation or a safe situation, then use Dolis in the ninth and try to play it from there in the tenth. I I, maybe I'm a little superstitious and and maybe that maybe what I think would have been the wrong decision, but that's just kind of how I see it. Like if if Romano is your closer, I'd put him in a safe situation. And if you anticipate a safe situation, I mean, Randall Gritchick's been a great hitter and Jonathan Davis is a great runner. I don't think it's fair to assume that the Blue Jays wouldn't have scored a run in the 10th. I mean, that's, you're still betting on something, but I would take that bet that they'd score a run and I would have left Romano for the 10th or something in extras. I know you guys probably disagree, but that's just kind of where I'm sitting at. I still think Dolis needs to be better. Um, He, in this entire series over the four games, only retired two batters in, he pitched, uh, I think in three of the four games, he allowed two runs, three or three earned runs. Two of them were not, uh, two runs, three of them were earned rather. And he only retired two batters. He pitched in both of those blow or both of those walk-off losses. And that's frustrating. You got to be better than that. But at the same time, I still like, I would have put somebody else. Maybe I wouldn't put Dolice in the, in the ninth inning, but I would have still kept Romano for the 10th.
1: Yeah, uh, I completely disagree because just because of the fact alone that there's only been one pitcher that you can really heavily rely on this year in Jordan Romano, you gotta, you can't be looking an inning ahead in the future. You have to be looking right then and there, especially with a team that doesn't have a closer. That's the thing. We discussed this all year. They don't have a closer. It was supposed to be Kirby Yates. Of course, we know what happened. They don't have one, and really, they only have one guy that you can rely on, and I'm sorry, but Anthony Castro, I'm relying on him more than Rafael Dolis. I still don't know what they see in Dolis coming in late in the games. Um, When I saw Jordan Romano right beside him yesterday, I was was shocked that he didn't come in the game. I was completely shocked, and I mentioned it in our chat, maybe they're hiding some sort of injury. Maybe that's the case. I don't know. We won't know. We will never know, but that's the only reason... If I'm managing, that's the only reason why Jordan Romano's not coming into the game. And then if you're looking towards the 10th inning, and the Jays take the league like you were mentioning, Jacob, then guess what? Jordan Romano, you're going back out for second inning, because I, I don't have anybody else on my list who's going out in that game. And of course, if you have to use somebody else other than Romano, you'll get to that point. But the problem is, the Jays don't get there. You can't, like, the philosophy that you're using is, like, of course, look ahead, look ahead, but... By the time that happens, the Jays already lose the game. We've seen this so many times this year in terms of a late collapse, and that is why it's so frustrating. It's so frustrating. And really, going back to Mark's point, this isn't anything different to what happened with the Baltimore Orioles in the 2016 wildcard game. So if you can tell me the difference there, um, especially in a wildcard game, it's crazy how we're comparing this to a wildcard game, but really, under the Blue Jays' circumstances, it really is, unfortunately, a desperation move that they had to make. And they really do. And I, I don't understand why... They don't. He's standing right beside Rafael Delis, and right when I saw Delis came come in, it was almost like a slap in the face to me because I just was so—I mean, I, I kind of expected it based on how they manage it sometimes, but it's a completely, completely different scenario if you're a team like the Red Sox, 40-27, and 27, you have a closer, sure. I, I, I don't—I mean, I'm fine with that philosophy in a regular season game. But you're two games above 500, you're eight and a half games back, you don't have a closer, you only have one guy that you can really rely on to get you out of jams like this, and you don't bring him in. Especially coming after a solid outing from Manoa, as we talked about at the top, and we spent five minutes talking about, at least five minutes talking about Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and how a waste of a home run that was. It was all for nothing. And that's why when you look at it, you, gotta, you can't be thinking ahead. I, I always go back to it. you got to be thinking one inning at a time because you can't always assume that you're going to get there and get to this point and get to that point. I mean, yes, the Jays are missing arms. Yes, they don't have a closer, but that's what makes this situation different. And it's different every um, step of the way. We know they need an arm, and we know it's coming eventually. But right now, Jordan Romano is the only guy you're throwing in. And after Jordan Romano, for me... It's Anthony Castro. I'm. It, it really is because I've seen enough in terms of what's going on with Rafael Dolis this year. It's a completely different Dolis than we saw last year, and they need to re- they need to realize that that he's not the same pitcher for some reason. Like last year, right now, could that change? Absolutely, it can change. But it's just not working, and they they continue to throw him out there in late situations, and every time, even if he gets out of it, it's one of the most unwatchable p- pitchers to watch in terms of the amount of trouble he gets in. And it's just so—it's so frustrating to watch. It really is, and I'm sure you guys can tell uh, from the tone of my voice. But I don't—I don't agree with that philosophy at all because I don't see a difference to what the Baltimore Orioles situation was like back in 2016. So that's where I come from, and that's why I'm not as superstitious with that because of the situation and the circumstances the Jays are in. So, which is why I completely uh, blame Charlie Montoyo for this one, unfortunately.
2: See, I blame him for putting in. Dolis that's what I would have changed maybe put somebody else in but I still like I don't know I still would have kept Romano uh, in preparation for a 10th inning or something but I like I just would have changed it and maybe not have Dolis in like like you said with Anthony Castro someone like him
0: No, I believe whole I agree wholeheartedly with Bryson like you manage the game in front of you you don't manage a hypothetical that might happen an inning or two down the line. You manage the situation you have right now. The things you know are happening right now. You know if you give up a run, you lose the game. So your goal, bottom line, should be to not give up a run in this inning. Who is the pitcher who's going to give you the best chance of doing that? It's Jordan Romano. To me, it's as simple as that. And, you know, Joshua Hausam, who is the co-host of the Artificial, Artificial Turf Wars pod, He put it well in his tweet after the game. He said, I wish managers would realize that when you're tied, if you give up a run, you lose. If you're up, you can give up a run and keep playing. So use your best first. Like if the Blue Jays get to the 10th inning, even if they lose in the 10th inning, that's better than losing in the 9th inning because they had another opportunity to score and take the lead. I just, you manage the game in front of you. You look at all the things you know. You don't look at the hypotheticals, you manage the game in front of you. So that's why I use Romano. And yes, like, maybe he's injured, but why is he warming up with Dolis? He, before the game, I was out in the outfield at the bullpen, and he was doing stretches in the bullpen before the game. I don't know if that means he's not healthy. If that mean, I don't know what that means, but it seems like he was available he was able to pitch in that game. And I don't know why the Blue Jays would say, yeah, he was unavailable Friday night because he was dealing with forearm tightness, but we're going to lie to you Monday night that he's dealing with an injury. That just doesn't make sense. I don't understand this decision. And, you know, maybe the the last thought I have, the last, you know, saving grace maybe for Charlie Montoyo in this is that you look at the 10th inning. It's not just a clean inning like it's a different situation than it would be in previous years you do start with a guy on second which makes it a little bit higher leverage than a situation maybe in the ninth where you have no one on and maybe that's what they're looking at right you use a worse pitcher in a situation where you have no one on so you can save Jordan Romano for the 10th when you have a guy on second Which I guess, to some extent, I do understand. But then again, it goes back to what you were saying, Jacob. Why use Rafael Dolis? I think in everyone's minds, Dolis has fallen down the depth chart in the bullpen. He's no longer the second best pitcher. It's Anthony Castro. You know, even maybe you could consider putting someone like Tim Meza above him. Because Tim Meza has gotten a lot better over the previous few weeks. So, I I don't understand it. It's... It's beyond frustrating. So we've talked a little bit about what the front office needs to do. Um, what are you guys looking for them to do? I Like for me, they have to make a deal over the next few days. Um, I don't want them waiting until George Springer gets back from his rehab appearance. I don't want them waiting until the trade deadline. Um, I think a move has to be made before the end of this series against the Yankees. They need help or else they're just going to keep losing games. It's inexcusable um they need to do something
2: oh they they 100 need help and the thing is so nate pearson and julian merriweather may be coming up by the end of the month but i'm not going to say that that's the help that they or or the saving grace that they get really because like julian merriweather is obviously a fantastic reliever and nate pearson's top 10 prospect but the blue jays need proven talent right now and it's gonna have to be a reliever i mean maybe you can look at i mean i'm I know the uh, former Blue Jay, Ryan Tapera is having a good season with the Cubs. Maybe you inquire about him, uh, but uh, it has to be a pitcher. Like, you, you're not going to go and acquire... The way I see it, you're not going to go and acquire a position player. Obviously, you have uh, a plethora of that, and you have guys in the minors. It, 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 it doesn't make sense. Like, even if you trade for, I don't know, a third baseman, well, then, you know, where's Biggio going to play? That Like, that just, that doesn't make sense. Starting pitcher, I don't think you're going to go for that either, because, I mean... Ryu struggled a little bit, but I mean, a 3.34 ERA is still a lot better than what a lot of other guys are going to gonna give you. Uh, Robbie Ray's been good all season long. Steven Matz, we now know, is on the COVID IL, but I wouldn't count him out for a, more than maybe a couple weeks at best. Uh, and then Alec Manoa's here, Ross Stripling's in the rotation, so you have a solidified rotation with the exception of Steven Matz for the next little bit, but the bullpen's got to be where you, you make a move. Now, maybe, I think you go get a one-inning guy. Like, honestly, you get a late-inning guy that can just get you three outs, four, five, six outs at the absolute most. I don't really think they need bulk guys. They have Ryan Barucki hopefully coming back within a little bit. Tim Meza, I think, has settled down since his his, uh, rough May really uh, inflated his ERA. But, like, you have guys that can give you multiple innings if you need. I, I would say you go get somebody that can give you three outs towards the bottom of the game, and you roll with that now where they fit on the roster maybe you like I mean you guys th- or Mark I think you said don't DFA Tyler Chatwood you're probably right I mean I had that opinion a couple of days ago maybe you DFA him but perhaps that's not what you do in the heat of the moment so you know like maybe the Blue Jays have to get a little creative they send Carl Edwards Jr. down to the minors or they do something like that but you got to get a a somebody that throws hard and gets you quick outs in the bottom of the ninth or 7th or 8th at the absolute best because we went into this season expecting Kirby Yates, Dolis, and John Romano to all be those types of guys. Well, Kirby Yates is out for the entire season and hasn't pitched a game. Romano's been that guy, but Dolis hasn't. And so you go from having three guys that you think are going to be elite at the end of the game to having one of them. That's where I think you got to improve. And hopefully the rest can at least figure itself out. I mean, you, you do have guys coming back from injury eventually on the pitching side, but if I'm looking for outside help, that's where I'm looking to, to help you get out of the last couple outs of the inning or a couple outs of the game.
1: Yeah, uh, you get, I wouldn't even stop at one, maybe two bullpen arms, and I wouldn't even stop myself from maybe inquiring about a starting pitcher. I really don't because when you look at, there's so many scenarios where this can go. I think I gave you guys an idea a couple days ago in terms of maybe for the short term, I know Nate Pearson's been coming out of the bullpen in AAA right now, um, but I know he's also been starting. I know he's been doing both. Maybe you put him in the the bullpen for the time being. I don't know, but this um, with Steven Matz being placed on the COVID IL, that does open up a spot for maybe him returning. I mean, I, I don't know who it could be. Likely it'll be him or Anthony K. I can see it going either way in terms of that. Uh, that'll be determined on Thursday, but... I, I wouldn't stop myself from getting a starting pitcher either. And then I also look at it with Ross Stripling because I know he's been pitching better. I know he has been, but we we just I think we discussed this two weeks ago. I'd rather have him in the bullpen. And if you can get a starter and maybe move him to the bullpen, I'm not saying it's likely, maybe you disagree or not, but I have no problem with that either. And that's nothing against Ross Stripling because he's pitching well. And if you can bring that to the bullpen with him, that obviously helps the bullpen. And Jacob, as you mentioned, guys are coming back. We know that We're expecting Thomas Hatch, who's currently on a rehab assignment, to come back. We know that Patrick Murphy's also getting close. Maybe you even throw him in there after a while. I know he barely pitched anyway going back to the spring uh, with the shoulder injury. So you have that. You have um, Julian Merriweather coming back, who obviously was very dependable at the start of the year. Other guys likely not going to be as soon. AJ Cole was just transferred to the 60-day IL, so you won't be seeing him for a while now either. And, of course, there's also Travis Bergen, too. But... Really, when you look at it right now, even with these guys coming back, uh, you and Jacob, you said it, you need people that are going to be Major League talent or Major League worthy, people that can actually prove themselves, and you have to. You have to go one or two. Mark, I completely agree with you. I think they should be going and getting something done within the next few days. Do I see it happening? I'm not as confident it does, but I think in terms of what they really need, it makes sense, um, If that if that also makes sense to you guys. I just... I don't see it happening, but I really want it to happen. Um, And I hope it's like a reverse thing I do on them or like a reverse jinx and it happens. But there's so many situations or scenarios where you could go in terms of adding bullpen arms And don't let that stop you from adding a starter. I really hope not. Maybe adding a starter comes later on, closer to July, maybe mid-July. But right now, in terms of what they need in the next few days or within the next few weeks, is you got to start with at least one reliever. Um, I think, uh, going back to the rumors with um, Barrios a few months ago on Minnesota, I believe I read a few days ago that they actually aren't offering him an extension or something like that. So he's on an expiring deal with the Twins still struggling, you know, Maybe he's expendable. Maybe you inquire about him. Why Why not? Why not? I mean, why not? So that's where I look at it from. But yeah, they need they need a few pieces. They don't need just one. And in terms of the offense too, I don't even touch the offense because we know the what the offense brings. We know the strength they have. Jacob, you mentioned how crowded it is. This is solely focused on pitching for me, no matter what it is.
0: Yeah. I, I don't want them making any changes to the offense. It's going to be hard enough to fit George Springer in when he comes back. So... Leave that alone. Focus. A, priority number one is the bullpen. Priority number two is the starting rotation. Yeah, I think Ross Stripling is the guy who moves. He has to be the guy who comes out of the rotation. If you get someone, maybe you go with the six-man rotation. I don't know. Um, But moving Stripling to the bullpen would be one of those moves that helps the bullpen indirectly. So I'm fine with that. But you got to get someone. Right now they have no one who can put out the fire in the middle innings. Like you have Jordan Romano, who is supposed to be that type of closer, and you have no one else who can come in. Earlier, you know, it was Rafael Delis. It was Tyler Chatwood. To some extent, it has been Anthony Castro. But right now, they have no one who can come in and save the game from being blown out um, if they're in a jam in the seventh or eighth inning. Um, and they need that type of pitcher. I don't think it's going to be that expensive to do it. I really want them to get it done, but like you said, we haven't heard anything, so I'm not confident it will happen, but I just, I hope to God it does, because they need to do something about this.
2: Yeah, and I mean, one of the things that I'm worried about is the standings really solidifying towards, what is it, I don't even know what date is anymore, I think it's July or June, uh, June June 15th, 15th. yeah, Yeah. so... (laughs) almost at July and we're at the point where the standings they're going to start to solidify and maybe you're not four games back maybe you're six or seven and that's that's extremely difficult to come back from and we saw in 2017 where the Blue Jays were only I think within that like they were maybe five six games out of a wild card spot but there were six or seven teams that were also there and there's not a chance that you make the wild card when you're at the bottom of five or six teams even if you're in within the same few games and this year's especially, it's different because there's no expended playoffs. Last year, maybe you, you look for second in the division. The Blue Jays have a game up in the Yankees right now. Red Sox are obviously they're over 500, multiple games over 500. So maybe you could try get second place if it was 2020, but it's not 2020, it's 2021. And the only way you make the playoffs is either you beat out the Rays and the Red Sox for first place, or you beat out the Yankees slash Red Sox or, or Astros or someone else for a wildcard spot. And that's tough to do. And like the last thing you want to do is to go into the middle of the summer, especially the trade deadline, meeting a 40 and 20 end of your season or 50 and 10. Like you, like you can't expect that out of any team to, to make that big of a push. Like it, maybe the 2015 team could do it, but that was, that was a once in a lifetime thing. And like, you got to make a move now. Like, I, I like that we're talking about this now rather than in a couple weeks or in a month or so because now is the time to do it. Like, we're approaching the halfway mark of the season. Hopefully, you get George Springer back. Maybe you get Nate Pearson, Thomas Hatch, Julian Merriweather, all these guys back. But make another move and really get the group going so that you can erase those deficits in the standings and hopefully take a lead. Like, that. That I wouldn't say that the playoffs are out of reach yet. If the Blue Jays front office make moves, and it's got to be within the next little while, or else, like we said, standings will solidify, and it'll be nearly impossible to make the playoffs.
1: Yeah, I mean that the, the more this happens, the more it drags on. And uh, a few days ago, the Jays were around six games out, and as I mentioned earlier, they're now I believe eight and a half games out of first place in the AL East. Right now, when you look at the wild card standings, uh, they're right around where the Yankees are, and then of course there's uh, there's a log jam. We know how the wild card works. They're currently three and a half games out. And when you look at all these pe- or all these teams that are, I guess, in the wild card, it's crazy how many teams are still in it, which makes this so crucial because you have teams like the Angels too that are still hovering around. They're only four and a half games out. I know the Seattle Mariners were not expecting anything from them. They're only five and a half games out. And all I'm trying to mention is all these teams are still in it. And right now it's a log jam, and that's the way the wild card always works. But the longer you wait, it's only going to get worse from where you are. The Jays are currently what two games above 500. They need this to happen. They need help. They need it as soon as possible. Obviously, specifically targeting the bullpen right now, but it's just going to keep dragging on the longer you wait, which is why it's crucial, going back to Mark, what you said about in the coming days, in the coming weeks, you, you, you'd you figure they have to do something. They really do. And when you look at the run differential too, they have a plus 49 run differential. We know that's one of the best in baseball, especially the best in terms of a fourth place team. And I, I think too, out of all the wildcard contenders, um, other than Boston and Houston, uh, the Jays are sorry. Actually, they do have the second best run differential behind the Astros. So they do. They have a better run differential than Boston. And I think that proves, I guess, how good the offense could be and how much they're in need of that starting pitching. Because all these other teams, the one thing they all have in common is they all have negative run differentials. And, of course, Boston is the third team with a positive run differential. But the Jays have a better one.
0: Yeah. And the one last thought is, like, I'm not panicking. Like, this team, I said it after Friday's game, but this team is a good team. I said after yesterday's game as well. This team, these players, even this manager, I think they're all good. Like, this team has a lot of potential, and I think it will come around, um, especially when you look at the schedule. How at the, pretty much at this point, like today against the Yankees, it gets so much easier. Like, today is really the first day that the Blue Jays kind of get a break. I, I think the Yankees... Maybe I'll eat my words on this, but I think they're a team that's kind of just gonna roll over. Where they are right now, they're fair enough. Worse than the Blue Jays. Their offense is nowhere to be found. I think they're a team that's gonna roll over. And then you got the Orioles, you got Mariners, Tigers, you got all these teams that they haven't faced at all. It gets a lot easier from here. And I think we're gonna see some of that, you know, run differential, that one of the best in baseball. I think that's gonna turn the other way. And I think we're gonna see the luck. Come over to the Blue Jays' side. Because with a run differential like that, I think a lot of these games are luck. You look at the games that the Blue Jays lost this series, it was by one run. The games they won, it was by 14 runs. So I think the luck is going to turn around. I'm not panicking, but adjustments do have to be made. And one last good thing to mention, I mentioned earlier, George Springer is on his rehab assignment now. So he's coming back, whether it's a week, whether it's a few days, a week and a half. you know, Who can guess how long it's going to be with him? But uh, that's another good sign for the Blue Jays. So I'm not panicking, um, but things have to things have to improve and be changed a little bit. Um, all right, I think we'll end it there. Thank you to everyone who listened to this episode and joined us as we decompress after a very crazy wild um, series. I've probably like the best series of the year. like no matter how the Blue Jays are playing, it's very good baseball and you can at least be very happy about that. Um, we got. Everything you could ever wish for in this series, except for a Um You can support our podcast by checking out our Patreon. It's patreon.com slash section 138pod. You can follow us on social media at section 138pod and stay up to date with everything we're doing here. Um, and you can rate and review our podcast on Apple Podcasts, which just helps spread the word about what we're doing. And then lastly, we are on YouTube. You can watch our episodes there. Um, So thanks for listening to this episode. Hopefully this series against the Yankees goes a lot better. I'll predict it now. I think they're going to sweep the Yankees, uh, but we will talk to you after that series.